and welcome to Crush On at the Movies with your hosts, Rich Anderson, Matt Keeley, and Andrew Marvin. This week, we look, look at the films Ur, A Music War, Hedvig and the Angry Inch, and That Thing You Do. today movies music movies. movies music movies music movies that aren't stop making sense yes we're saying we're saying <laughs> <I know>. that <laughs> yeah it, it it's three very different movies I don't, i'm not sure where we should begin i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it's kind of interesting that we all chose like i mean completely different types of music movies yeah they are totally different Mm-hmm. Like I mean, like uh, I mean, Rich, you chose Ur, which is a straight-up concert film, right? Well, concert anthology, even you know. Mm-hmm. And then Andrew and I both chose narrative films, but you know, mine's a musical, and his is more of just a straightforward film about or a straightforward narrative about music, right? So nice work, everybody. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I know for me, I, I think we all chose good ones. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never. I was just telling Rich before we recorded that I have. I can't remember exactly what my history is with Hedvig and the Angry Inch because I feel like I've either if I've seen it before, it was like a long time ago, or I had a friend that was really into John Cameron Mitchell because I know I've seen Short Bus, and I'm not sure if I've seen this one also. When I was watching it, it didn't it didn't seem too familiar, but I I feel like I've I've encountered this film somehow in the past. Yeah, for me, it was like one where I, you know, always heard about it, of course, but like uh, I ended up getting a copy of uh, Hedvig for uh, Christmas from my friend Janet. And I ended up watching it and like basically falling immediately in love with it and, and buying the soundtrack. And like, I, I still think the soundtrack is like like one of my favorite albums. Yeah, the music is definitely great. Yeah, very much in that wonderful glam rock tradition. Um Right, I read somewhere, I think it was on the Wikipedia article, when they were workshopping the show, with their, they originally were doing covers with new lyrics of a lot of glam and uh, post-punk stuff, including, yeah, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article for the musical, including uh, two of my favorite uh, post-punk songs, See No Evil by Television and Non-Alignment Pact by Per Ubu. Cool. Yeah. I was going to say, as cool as that, I, I think that would have been, I'm kind of glad that they went with the original music, though. Yeah, same here. I was about to say. I think doing it as originals makes it a little better, though. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, we should probably play a clip from uh, from the soundtrack. Yeah, I I just pulled out um, the opening track, uh, which is "Tear Me Down." So let's hear a little bit of that. <laughs> Top or bottom. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> so, yeah, I I just think it's a a, a great film. Um, so many great songs in it. I mean, I just really you know I just listen to that that soundtrack a lot, and it, it's kind of like you know I, I think it, I think it's a, a sadder film than a lot of people really realize too. Yeah. I mean, you know, before they see it, I mean, they, you know, I think I think a lot of times people will think it's going to be kind of a, a fun comedy, which it is. But it's also, yeah, I mean, like the, the ending is is sad, but it not really in necessarily a, a downer sort of way, I think. 
And I, I know that um, I, I don't know how the original musical or the musical stage show ended. Um, I'm I'm assuming not that because that's such a movie ending. I don't know how they'd even do it live, but mm-hmm. all that. And apparently, as Rich discovered, there's going to be a sequel. And I don't think the really? the, the film ending doesn't really lend itself to that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a. It was literally just announced. I think on Friday. Yeah, I didn't even know. Like Rich, Rich sent me the link saying, "Hey, good timing." <laughs> yeah, like I, like I said, um, I've this is this is one of those movies that people have been bugging me to watch for ages, probably because I have a bunch of friends who are into the Rocky Horror Picture Show scene here in Philadelphia. In fact, if anyone listening is a Rocky Horror fan, the cat, the local shadow cast is performing at the Theater of the Living Arts midnight on the fourth of August which will be the uh, Saturday after this episode goes live. So probably the day that we record the next episode. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're doing uh, uh, one of the DJ Robert Drake, who I'm going to try to get back as a guest on the show. Cause he was originally the idea for the first guest. Um, uh, he's running a midnight movie series for the next three months at the TLA tonight. It's uh, pink flamingos. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I've got my ticket right here. Hmm. Have you seen it before? No parts of it. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. Yeah. And I, I that, assume you know about the ending, right? Yes. No spoilers. No, uh, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I watched it with my friend Dale, who did, actually did not know about the famous ending scene and was, like, com- completely horrified, which was great. <laughs> uh, and it was, then it's watched oh, the way it was intended. <laughs> yeah. Then, uh, then he's doing Rocky Horror Picture Show with the local shadow cast, which I have some friends in. I'm not a huge Rocky Horror fan anymore, but, you know, it's a social obligation thing. Then, after that, he's doing Mommy Dearest, which I might go, might not go. Yeah, Mommy Dearest, like, I think it'd be really fun in that format, you know, because it is, like, it's a bad movie, but it's, if you, it's kind of like Rocky Horror in that if you watch it alone, it's pretty boring. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's it, it's probably worth seeing, like, if... You know, if you don't have anything else going on on that um, on that day, I'd probably recommend showing up. But okay. well, the very it's, least it's not one where you know don't don't be too bummed out if you can't make it. Yeah, at the very least, it'll be cool to see uh, and hear what all those cool negative land samples came from off this Pepsi. <laughs> yes, <laughs> let the goddamn company pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a band I got to pick an album for one of these weeks. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it was it was good to finally get the check this off the list, and I definitely see the appeal. The music is really good. The cinematography is really good as well. I mean, it's so easy when I think when you're doing a musical adaptation, I mean, a film adaptation of a musical, to stage it like uh, just a musical production on a soundstage. Right. Mm-hmm. It's you know, bless it's you know, the nearest point of reference I have for this is probably the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I know you're not a fan of anyway, Matt, but. Yeah. Yeah, say what you will, but Rocky Horror doesn't really make use of the fil- of film as a medium. In fact, yeah, isn't the, yeah, this is like the the last the last whole p- last quarter of the film is just basically okay. We're gonna point a camera at a stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, and that's kind of the thing that I think is interesting is I mean, like this is um, uh, John John Cameron Mitchell's first film too. I mean, and it's like he was always like a theater guy and. He ended up, you know, like Hedvig broke huge, of course. And so they, uh, he, you know, went with New Line and got a, a film deal and made the film himself. And it's like, it's a really good film as a film, you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's just made really, really, really well. And I think the, like, cause the impression I get from the original stage show that it was basically like a monologue interrupted with songs. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably, you know, I think he probably did have to write kind of like more of a story around it. But even though the, the film itself is monologue heavy, there's a lot of really cool things like the the bit with uh, Hedvig it, with her uh, head in the oven doing the the monologue about listening to the radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think maybe for Matt, for people that have not seen or heard of this movie, could you do give us like a brief synopsis of kind of what it's all about? Sure. Um, basically. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I, I think I kind of take for granted that, you know, people know this one. But um, mm. the the basic gist of it is is that um, 
Hedvig uh, is a uh, performer in a band in America. Um, she came from East Germany where uh, she ended up falling in love with a, um, a, uh, a military, uh, a guy based on the American military base on the other side of the Berlin wall. And uh, he ended up marrying her. But the, the, the thing is, is like, this isn't like a straight up story or a straight up love story here because when, uh, they, uh, Hedwig and Luther fell in love. Uh, she was Hansel. And, uh, in, in that sense, like, uh, I don't think th like that, um, Hedwig really counts as like really like a, a trans person just because, you know, like she would, you know, her, her female identity was thrust upon her rather than feeling it from birth. Right. You know, she, you know, Left to her own devices, you know, she would be a a, a gay cisgendered man. But uh, as it was, um, she had to get a sex change so that she, so she could sneak out of uh, uh, East Germany, and her sex change operation got botched. And uh, basically, they uh, cut off like most of her penis, but left like about like a, a a one inch, you know, mound of flesh, as the song goes. So she doesn't really have a penis or a vagina, and there, that, that's where the name of the band comes from too is the angry inch and yeah it's basically her story of coming to america she ended up uh f uh once the relationship with luther fell apart she uh fell in love with the kid with the teenager that she was babysitting who ended up being like um like they were in a band together that didn't do anything and then he took her songs and became huge like uh, his name was Tommy Gnosis and he became like a huge, huge star, like probably, like, I guess, kind of like, you know, Bowie level, I think, you know, mm -hmm. and and it's basically her her band is on tour at um, these. Basically, they're like TGI Fridays is that are uh, in the same town and sometimes like even like right next door to the venue where Tommy Gnosis is playing every night. And it's sort of like, you know, the the true true story tour kind of thing. I don't mm -hmm. remember what it's called in the film, but it's, you know, and yeah, I guess that's, that's about the, the synopsis of the film and it's really interesting. And it's just, I, I, I just love it. So <laughs> I don't know. Did I miss anything really? Or <laughs> no, I think that I don't think so. covers that's a good it. way to, yeah. Without giving away the ending and everything. Yeah. And can I, I, I'm going to forget to mention this. If I don't mention this now, it, it blew my mind when I realized who was playing Tommy in the movie. Michael Pitt, who's probably better known for being Jimmy Darmody on the first two seasons of Boardwalk Empire. A very young Michael Pitt. I'm just like, whoa. I, I've never seen Boardwalk Empire, so I'm Neither sort of like, oh, oh, shame on, okay. shame, on the, shame on both of you. It's the best thing on TV, okay? <laughs> uh, what season are they in now? Uh, the third season begins in September. Ah, yeah. I'd find the time. Yeah, if you can find the time, it's a great show. It's captivating. It's got everything you could want. It's got you know, it's a period piece from the 1920 in the 1920s during Prohibition. Uh, the only pro the only thing that you might not like is you have to occasionally put up with Steve Buscemi's O face. I've seen <laughs> that's part of the show I've seen is Steve Buscemi's O face, which is bizarre. Work past it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I really enjoyed uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Uh, like I said, I'm not sure if I've if I've seen it before, or if I just had a friend that was really into it. Um, but I thought it was really good. It really it held my attention. Like from the from the very beginning, I thought the music was great. I thought that um, it was. I like kind of the abstract aspects of it, which I guess is John Cameron Mitchell's filmmaking style. Um, you know, with the animated portions, oh, and, like and the in voice Origin of Love and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was really great. I thought it was really funny at at points too. Just you know. Hedvig herself is such a um, what do you call it? Um, such a character. Yeah. You know, her uh, and you know seems so cool. You know <laughs> to hang out with. Um, I th just thought she was very funny, so I I enjoyed this quite a bit. I need to. I'm kind of still recovering from it because I just finished it a few minutes ago. Um, but yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, and I love uh, Andrea Martin in there as uh, their manager. Mm -hmm. Like she she's a brilliant comedian from uh, SCTV. Um, which is one of my all-time favorite sketch comedy shows. Um, and it's 
on the actual DVD, there's like a lot of deleted scenes where like I get the impression she was kind of like improving a lot. And there's like one sort of like sub like um like kind of like sub thing of the film where uh and it mo it's cut for the most part in the real the real film where uh she had had a phone implanted in her tooth that so she would just you know like touch it with her tongue and then just be able to start talking on the phone and like i think like bone conduction would you know make her be able to hear the other end <laughs> and there's like if you watch the the film again like knowing that there's like one or two scenes where she just kind of seems to kind of all of a sudden just start talking on the phone without an actual phone or anything yeah and that's what that's what that's about <laughs> yeah like that's a good example of like i feel like there's a lot of things that i didn't pick up the first time around that i would need to that i need to go back and look for again yeah i i, I don't know i just like think this is like just it, it's one of those films that it, where it's so good it's almost hard to talk about you know for me yeah like I'm, I was honestly very surprised. It it's got a reputation, I think, that sort of precedes it. If you've heard of it, and I don't know if it's necessarily if that reputation is uh, accurate. Like I said, I was expecting more something along the lines of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I like this a hell of a lot better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like when you said, you know, like uh, last night after the show, like uh, or last record, you were like sort of like, yeah, isn't that kind of like Rocky Horror? I was like. Um, no, this is good. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I think I got a little bit, like, indignant on that one. <laughs> oh, right, I've never seen Rocky so. Horror. It's, if you have to see it, go see a, a live performance uh, with a cast. Otherwise, it's not really worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I like the soundtrack of Rocky Horror a lot better than the actual movie. Like, I think, like, with the movie, it's, like, about... 45 50% boring to me where the soundtrack is about about only about 25% misses mm -hmm. at least in my own personal you know so you get more bang for your buck with the the soundtrack cuz i mean there are like some really great songs in there like you know science fiction double feature um damn it janet uh time warp of course i mean there's those are legitimately great songs i have to i have to fully admit and fully give credit to rocky horror for that but for the film, it just sort of like drags on and on and goes. I I I just get really really bored. Yeah. Yeah. That's so the, not that's a, the event of the cast, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, Andrew. So I'm not. A, that's okay. I'm not a, a big theater uh, goer. So Matt, how does this how does this film adaptation uh, how did it rank? You know, compared to the theater performance, like was it well received by the people that were fans of the musical, or was is it a good adaptation? It seems to be yeah. I've I've I, I I've not seen the actual stage play, so I, I I can't I can't speak from my own personal experience. Mm -hmm. But I the impression I got is that this was very well received. Um, generally thought of as a very good adaptation, like true to the Hedvig uh, story without being a retread. You know, it's like I I think cause I think sometimes with like adaptations of stuff like that, it's you sort of get the you can kind of get the whole, well, I read the book. Why am I seeing this again? Or I saw the show. Why am I, you know, sitting through this ag again without it really bringing anything? Yeah. And I, I get the impression that this is more of, I guess, kind of like a like Ghost World as a film versus Ghost World as the graphic novel. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, each works on their own merits and it's both ex excellent on their own merits. But one is kind of a taking this the general story in a different direction right i don't know if you've seen and read ghost world but i haven't you, you totally should they're both awesome <laughs> I have like, so much to do yeah down i know <laughs> i've got to read infinite jest i've got to watch this thing <laughs> well um ghost world's a comic book so it's a lot it goes a lot quicker than infinite jest yeah but... <laughs> i don't think i've ever read a comic book <laughs> Oh, I'm a huge comics nerd. So if you're if you're ever interested, I can I can totally point you in the right direction of of things to check out. <laughs> cool. So yeah, I, I I guess that's that's Hedvig. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So I, don't know, I guess I'll take this one if that's cool with you. Go for it. Okay. All right. My pick this week is a very big, very sprawling rock concert documentary anthology deal. 
It's the uh, 1982 release Erg, A Music War. And one of the problems when you're picking a, uh, a movie like this, if you, uh, it is a music movie, it's a concert movie, but there's so many different bands that you can't just like pick one song, I guess. So, But I'm going to have to. So the movie starts off with, I'm not a fan of The Police by any stretch, but I do love this version of Driven to Tears. So let's hear a little of that. What is my reaction? What should it be? I'm surprised I thought you were going to pick the uh, Dead Kennedys. You know, I I really do love that performance of uh, Bleed For Me. But, uh, well, first of all, it's not on the soundtrack album. Mm. And it's a, I do have an MP3 of it, but it's just a rip straight from the film. And second of all, it's, I don't don't think I can trim that one down to 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, there's so much happening here. So many bands that, I liked before I checked out the fo- the movie, like uh, Wall of Voodoo, Oingo Boingo, uh, Gary Newman, uh, Perubu. Yes, we're going back to Perubu. Devo, um, Gang of Four. But other bands that, having seen it, I had to start checking out, like um, Orchestra Movers in the Dark and uh, Klaus Nomi and oh, the Dead Kennedys. Uh, I don't know if I got into them before or after the movie, but... Somewhere around there. All pairs. They're, they blew my mind. And there's more bands in here that every time I watch it, I just like, yeah, maybe I should start checking these guys out too. Uh, Spiz, uh, in this, who's going by about a hundred different names in his music career is in this. And, uh, got, where to start? Where to start? I better start with you guys. <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> I'll just pass the buck. I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, I, I think, and you kind of mentioned this, it is sprawling. So, like, it does, t- to me, it does tend to be a little long. But then again, too, it's like, I think once you've watched Erg, you kind of know you can skip, like the surf punks. <laughs> yeah, they, they, I, I skip them. Um, I usually skip, uh, I, I watch it straight through from the beginning to Chelsea, which is after the band that's after OMD. Mm-hmm. And they get skipped. Then it's Oingo Boingo. That sometimes I'll skip Echo on the Bunny. I never got too much into Echo on the Bunny Men, but the Puppet's a good song. Then I'll skip to XTC and let that go on until uh, I, sk- I usually skip Joan Jet too. Sorry, you skip Joan Jet. I'm sorry. It's not. It's that particular performance of Bad Reputation just doesn't click with me. Wow, that's that's one of four songs that I knew on this compilation. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think next time I watch, I would I would skip um, probably Echo and the Bunny Bin would be another one that would be like a sometimes you know because like they're one of those bands that I kind of want to like but I've, they've never really clicked. Mm-hmm. Um, Steel Pulse just because I fucking hate reggae. <laughs> um, the Surf Punks because they were terrible. <laughs> like okay. I I was pardon. Yo, uh, no, go ahead and I'll. So my piece. Yeah, I, I like. I guess this is like unpopular opinion time, but like I was getting like a hardcore Aquabats vibe from the Surf Punks, and I'm, I, I can't abide the Aquabats. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I just find them so grating, and we're goofy, and it just, <laughs> and but but yeah, I mean, like the thing is, is I think given the. The choice. I would rather listen to the Aquabats than the fucking Surf Punks. Wow. So, <laughs> okay. a friend of mine put a Chemical Bomb, which is a song by the Aquabats, on a mix CD for me once, and I love that song. But I know nothing else other of the Aquabat. Ah, uh, to, to um, all I'll say about the Aquabats is that with the Aquabats, their silliness is at least you know the harmless kind. You know, hey, we're goofy. Yeah, and yeah, and they gave us after all Yo Gabba Gabba, which gives Mark Mothersbaugh something to do. Um, and I actually think Yo Gabba Gabba is actually a pretty good show for a very young skewing audience. Yeah, but uh, the difference between Aquabats and the Surf Punks is that the Surf Punks are a lot more, hmm, what's the right term? Offensive in their weirdness? Yeah. In their like, goofiness? Like, 
Like, like with the woman in yeah. the the woman in the bikini where the guy is like trying to pull her tits out, and I was just like, dude, not cool. Yeah. And yeah, I just I don't know. I was like, sort of like, you 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 guys aren't good enough to put up with like your douchebaggery. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, at least like the the thing with the Aquabats is even though they're goofy, they seem friendly about it. You know, it's like I I you know. Like, I have to give them that. Like, they seem like actually, like, pretty good guys, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah, so. Fred <laughs> My, uh. <laughs> so this is the first time I had ever heard of Erg, of Music War. Mm-hmm. And I think I was kind of overwhelmed because the the large majority of these bands are acts that I had never heard of before and I'm a huge police fan um, so I was really excited when they, they came on first because I hadn't looked at the track listing or anything and I was like oh man because I thought it was going to be all bands that I had never heard of <laughs> uh, no offense Rich um, for your none, no none yeah. taken um, that's the whole point of the show yeah and, and honestly uh, like, I think I'd heard of maybe half honestly yeah. well I mean, I've, I've heard of them heard... all but I've seen the movie enough times <laughs> well <Right>. yeah <laughs> I mean, I knew XTC because Primus uh, has done an XTC cover or two. I've heard of the Dead Kennedys. Uh, I know that Devo is a thing that you guys are into <laughs> and, you know, some stuff like that. But so I loved uh, the police's performance and I thought uh, that was great. And that's one of the police songs that I'm actually not as familiar with, but I really enjoyed that performance. So that's one more police song that I love now, which is good. Um, and I really enjoyed the first few performances like up through i think uh, i remember enola gay right is orchestral orchestral maneuvers in the dark um i really enjoyed that song but as it wore on i just kind of got increasingly overwhelmed and increasingly exhausted um by the performances because i felt like the large majority of them were sort of the same tempo and the same you know energetic upbeat music with increasingly aggravating vocals um <laughs> i can I'd, sort of see that I, I mean i don't think the aggravate i generally skip like most of the last third of the film yeah it's very front-loaded because hmm. like because yeah i for me it's like you know around like surf punks like which is about the halfway point of the film is like yeah. when i start kind of going like okay i i i you know you almost want to pause the film and come back to it at that point i think yeah because i was like legitimately like tired <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. by, the, by the midway point because there was no because it is i mean i read the wikipedia article afterward and it's uh you know there's no narration it's just performance 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 and they're all the large majority of them are so high energy that i there was no up and down like there was no sort of flow to it it was all like climax the entire way through so um you know, as it wore on, I was just kind of exhausted by the whole thing. Um, and I really enjoyed the music, uh, for the most part, but the, the, the vocal styles started to, uh, started to grate on me after a while. And I kept expecting talking heads to appear, uh, and they never did, which made me sad. Yeah, that, that, that seems like the, point. yeah, it seems like the one big omission in the entire thing, because, um, I'm guessing there's probably a, a, ta- a, a like a, a reason why talking heads ever made it in. They, mm. they, um, a lot of the, the performances, there were, there were four concerts, um, one in Paris, which is where the police and, uh, Scoffish and a few others were filmed. Um, there was one in London, which is where a lot of the British punk bands were in, as well as, uh, um, uh, Steel Pulse. There was a, a New York show. I don't know if it was, I don't know if there was a full New York perform, New York show or if it was just like Klaus Nomi. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I think there's like one or two bands that were in New York, but it's mostly mostly like Clouds, I think. So yeah, and there was the Los Angeles show, and then there's a couple other bands that they got footage of externally and put and put in, like uh, Gary Newman and uh, Devo, for example, were both not part of the main shows. In fact, I think it was pretty it was painfully obvious with Gary Newman. Yes, yeah, that was I think. Yeah, I'm going to look double check this on Wikipedia since it's right in front of me, but the uh Gary Newman uh performance was actually filmed for one of his home concert videos. I think I want to say no, it's not in the article, but I want to say Micromusic. I I thought it was uh, Living Ornaments 80. Or well, I know that that's the live album. But... Yeah, that's the album, not the not the not the concert okay. video. <laughs> okay. 
It turns out we're both Gary Newman nerds, too. <laughs> well, I'm a Gary Newman nerd up to Telecon, and after that, I couldn't care less. I mean, I could really? care less. Yeah. I thought I thought Warriors was actually a pretty good record, despite the terrible sleeve. Eh. I've tried listening to his new stuff, too, and that does zero for me. Oh, I love his new stuff. We'll save it. Let's save this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's... Yeah. So, yeah, we got... Yeah, try that again. <laughs> while, while I'm in the sort of on the topic here, they, there was three songs recorded for every band. This I do know, except possibly Gary Newman. Um, but most of them got locked up in the vault of uh, IRS Records, I think. Um, there's been a lot of rights issues around this movie. You can finally buy it on DVD, but it's a, a DVD-R, and it's made to burn to an order. And it's not remastered or restored, so that's kind of weird. Yeah. yeah, and it cuts... Launchness the bounce track, which tell you the truth, I'm kind of fine with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't bad. Like, I mean, there are other bands that I would cut, but that wasn't one. Like, I, I if you know, if you get the the DVD or one, I don't think you're really missing too much by missing out on Splotchness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it would be really cool to see all all the lost songs. In fact, uh, just. Well, before we were recording, I was just I was catching up on some clips, and I found one of the songs Oingo Boingo did is circulating out there, a performance of the song Imposter from their first album, which blew my mind. Yeah, yeah, like you sent me the link like shortly, right, like immediately before the record, and I was like, wow, I I didn't I didn't know I'd ever actually see any of you know the other stuff, you know, because like. Mm-hmm. Because I would love to see like say like the complete like Wall of Voodoo or XTC or well. Devo, if there is one, because I know that, that, like you said, that's probably one of the uh, outside source ones. Yeah, it's an outside source one, but I think they did record at least three songs. I seem to remember hearing before the live 1980 DVD came out mm. uh, that Jerry was convinced that there's only the only footage recorded was for Erg of that tour. And it's like, I think they got three songs. Okay. But yeah, and like there were like a lot, but I was like kind of. One of the, the things that did drive me nuts with Erg, and I remember like talking with Rich a little bit about this, and this is just one of more more of a personal taste thing, but it seemed that the the more I wanted to see a band, the more audience shots there were. <laughs> <laughs> like with like Wall of Voodoo, I was like, fuck yes, Wall of Voodoo, they're awesome. And they kept cutting back to that blonde guy with the really weird facial expression. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care about that guy. I want to see the band. Yeah. Yes, he's weird looking. <laughs> Go back to the show. Mm. But but yeah, it was just sort of like, and then you'd get like, you know, but we got to see every frame of UB40. <laughs> <laughs> I have a theory about this, actually. Hmm. And the bands that we want to see the most of were the bands that got more ecstatic audience reactions. And so the bands that we don't see a lot of the audience in, it's because the audience were just going like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that doesn't make for good cinema. That's true. Yeah, that that's my theory at least. Yeah. But but yeah, I was like in general I like the film, but it's one where definitely going back to it, I, I am going to in, employ a liberal use of the skip button. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, I mean if you imagine like somebody giving you a mix C D with thirty eight different bands on it, like that's a lot to take in. And um especially if you're hearing most of those bands for the first time. So I think um, a better strategy for me to absorb this film would be to kind of like you're talking about, Matt, with the skip button, but kind of just digesting it, you know, in, in chunks, you know, doing the first few bands and then, you know, taking a break and then listening to the next few bands and everything. Cause doing it all in one sitting was very taxing on my brain and my ears. Yeah. And I, it, I have, Oh, go oh, on, Matt. I was going to say, and it didn't help too that. Like at least the, with the, uh, the rip that I had, and I think you were working off the same the same one. Um, mm-hmm. The audio was a little muddy. Yeah, and so it was like with like the songs that I already knew, like I could really really get into them. Like like back in Flesh, where we got the beat, or Uncontrollable, or I could really get into them because like I knew the song so well that it didn't matter that the 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 muddiness didn't matter as much. Right. But when I'm trying to listen to like a new a new thing, it's a little bit harder because it's sort of like I don't have the already or you know the blueprint in my head so it's sort of picking up on something that's already kind of all muddled together a bit so mm-hmm. mm. makes sense to me uh andrew i have two questions for you 
Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, did the Parupu performance change your opinion of them in any way? I don't, to be honest with you, I don't remember the pair Uber uh, performance because that dude in a suit. <laughs> I don't. Oh. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah, that was just for me. I was like, "Whoa, who's that big fat guy in that suit?" <laughs> at that point, I w- it was all blending together. <laughs> so right. if there's um if you have that performance singled out on YouTube, though, I'll rewatch it. Yeah, just yeah. So it's, a, it's called Birdies, and yeah, you can look that up. Uh, I'll. Nice. Put a link in the show notes. Uh, yeah. And second, because this was at least in the first part of the film when you're probably still conscious. Um, conscious, exactly. <laughs> Klaus Nomi. Excuse me? Oh, What's Klaus your... Nomi. Okay, I'm looking at the track listing right here. I was like, which one is that? The most visually distinct one. The, oh, the, the gentleman <laughs> with the receding hairline and the plastic tuxedo. Oh, wait a minute. Was he? Yeah, he was the guy with the makeup. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. This, the uh, the Power Rangers villain costume. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, <laughs> I've never heard Whoa. it described that way. That's good. Yeah, it. I, it, I, I haven't either, but that totally fits. <laughs> yeah, right here. I got it. Yeah. Um, hang on. Let me just hit play really, really quick. Oh yeah, I remember how this goes. <laughs> um, this is another. Uh, I'm listening to it right now. <laughs> okay, that's enough. All right. Um, uh, this is another thing. Like, I enjoy the music is pretty good, but like the, and I can appreciate the theatricality because like a lot of my favorite bands are very theatrical and visual like that. But the, the, the repetition of you know the the falsetto total eclipse over and over again is, I I don't know if I can do it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you really like that one? Yes. Uh, I- I think both of us are big Nomi fans. Hmm. Mm-hmm. He has a bit of an inquired taste, though, I have to admit. Yeah, yeah most it, likely. I mean, it took me a little bit to get, get, get to really get into Klaus. Um, I recommend the documentary, uh, The Nomi Song. At the very that, least, it's an interesting story. Yes. But it also kind of eases you into his music a bit, too. And it kind of it, it gives you a bit of a, I guess, a grounding for it. Mm-hmm. But it, there is still something to be said to be like completely, you know, thrown in the deep end with this guy in the the Power Rangers baddie suit, you know, singing opera at you back with New Wave. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty operatic. He was an a- actual opera singer. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, um, he wasn't faking. <laughs> yeah, the song over the credits is uh, is Klaus Nomi uh, doing the. Uh, Aria from uh, Samson and Delilah, hmm. which was also oh, yeah, the... I, I see that here on the track list. Yeah, it's also the song that uh, basically made him famous. Um, you'll, this is more in the Nomi song, so I'll, I'll just give you the short version. But he broke out, he did this thing called... There's this, in the very late 70s, New Wave Cabaret in Manhattan, and he performed one night. Last 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 act of the show, comes out in this... There's actually a video of this uh, out there, it's in the documentary... This like clear silver spacesuit, and he does this, does the aria, then slips back behind the curtain to smoke bombs, and everyone's just like, "What the fuck just happened?" <laughs> In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I really recommend his uh, album, the two albums that he put out too, uh, because it is a, a mix of and there of opera, and there are some like straight up like arias and you know stuff like that. But all and also pop music, which is kind of an, a mix that you don't normally get. And this, one of the, the things that I find kind of weirdly hilarious every time I find out about it is um, a, a person who is a, a big Nomi fan, Rush Limbaugh. Hmm. You would not expect that. <laughs> no, no, you would not. Uh, he uh, he uses uh, his cover of the song "You Don't Own Me." Uh, he uses Klaus Nomi's cover of the song "You Don't Own Me" uh, to introduce any story about homosexuality on his show. Apparently, yeah. Although I know that on his site he actually does recommend the album. I remember like seeing a link to it and checking it out and being like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, I've got a theory on that, but we're not. That, that, that's too rat holy. And <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to get all political on here. <laughs> mm. Oh, this uh, this was what 1980, 1981. 81 I think yeah. yeah yeah Klaus Nomi died in 83 yeah, yeah one of the first eight, one of the first AIDS casualties uh, yeah super sad mm. mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So anyway, I'm willing to uh to give. There was just a lot going on here and a lot for me to digest. And I guess I like New Wave, or you know, I like to think I do because I'm a big Police fan and I'm big Talking Heads fan. But I guess those are you know the mainstream sort of the big the big New Wave bands. And this was a lot more what I assume are the more uh, slightly obscure um, New Wave post punk bands. So it was definitely a lot to take in. But well, I could well, see myself. Too, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What I also too is that this was. I mean, a lot of these were, this was recorded in 1980, which is really kind of permit me to go into full board nerd here for a minute. <laughs> um, this, you're getting the sort of, the, the genres hadn't quite d- differentiated themselves all the way yet, if that makes yeah. sense. Cause you got this whole mess of punk music, punk rock, and you got some real honest, you got punk in here, like the dead Kennedys, like X, uh, you've got post-punk and all of its, which is that wonderfully nebulous genre name, which covers everything from Talking Heads to the Police to um, Magazine to um, Oingo Boingo. Well, no, Oingo Boingo is more new wave. Well, sorry. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, what you uh, Wall of Voodoo. Is more punk or post-punk? Post-punk. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. Yeah. We got real punk. The, yeah, the punk stuff is obvious. The post-punk is so varied. You've got the sort of synth pop in, on here with uh, orchestral maneuvers in the dark um, and Gary Newman and I think Gary Newman's the most distinct out of all the synth bands on here mm-hmm. in fact one time one time when I sit down to watch sat down to watch the movie I, uh, I tried trying to keep count of how many mini mogs I saw <laughs> <laughs> um, and you do have uh, new wave starting out too, which is covers the uh, Oingo Boingo and uh, the police to an extent, to an extent. but I, I always think they're more post-punk as the reggae influence. Right. So. Yeah, and, and then, then you just have kind of a few like complete oddballs too, like, you know, Atletico Spiz or, I mean, I guess they're kind of new wave, but more oddball or John Cooper Clark or uh, Invisible Sex, of course. <laughs> oh, sh- I almost forgot about that. Um, Invisible Sex. I actually no one ever. There's like no one really knows who the hell they are. Apparently, this was like their one thing. But just on a Google search, I, I came across this article on Everything2.com, which finally reveals a little more about them. And apparently, they do have a MySpace page where you can hear a couple other songs from them if you really want to. The if you really want to part's kind of key there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it was just so weird to find out that, that yeah they weren't just like something they, they got thrown in there they were an actual band just briefly <laughs> yeah and yeah I, I gotta admit i did like the whole you know the guys miming with the cardboard guitars <laughs> i can see why it's called erg because i was saying erg to myself throughout <laughs> some of the performances but what's the music war part is it just i guess that's because it's just there's a whole lot of bands yeah yeah a lot of noise going down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's kind of maybe a callback to like the battle of the bands kind of concept. And since there's so many bands, it's not just a battle; it's a war. Yeah, <laughs> that works. Yeah, I mean, I linked to the uh, I put the trailer up on the site on crushonradio.com. I don't know. It's if kind they... of hilarious. <laughs> yeah. What if they threw a war and everyone came? <laughs> a music war. <laughs> I love the way that the, uh, the announcer says the title of the film, too. <laughs> Erg, a music war. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, every song on this is on YouTube, so I'm not going to link to all of them. I'll just link in the show notes to my favorite performances. And yeah. that'll also give you something to, like, digest individually. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Thank you. And are you going to link to Back in Flesh? No. Because uh, I was gonna say, you know, if you do, you know, I can't, I can't stand Wall of Voodoo. I know. I'm just saying, you know, be sure to, you know, like anyone who looks at Back in Flesh, look for the the blonde guy with the weird facial expression. He shows up a few times throughout the film. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Does he have a mustache? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Is he, is, like, are you also talking about the guy with like the Coke bottle glasses? Yeah, yeah, the Coke bottle glasses, blonde guy, mustache, and he the, this weird kind of extrudy lip thing with where he's kind of slack jawed so I, think, yeah, of... I think that's someone in the audience's dad i think he was just dragged to these to this <laughs> concert and just like what the hell <laughs> yeah because he just has his like really goofy expression like and it's just kind of funny because he shows up like 
through a few performances, but it's like Wall of Voodoo when I first noticed him, and it's because it's the second film in the or second song in the film. But it's just like really funny because he's just like this like and isn't he like in a jean jacket too? Like I think so. Yeah. Yeah, he's in the the uh, <laughs> Canadian tuxedo, and yeah, just. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up right now before we go into that thing you do. I'm gonna bring up the back and flesh performance on YouTube, <laughs> and maybe I'll hopefully hopefully he's in there fairly early because I don't want to. I think he. Too long. I think he is. I think he is. I think he's in like one of the first bits. Okay, so. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, I forgot about the uh, little uh, intro bit of the band fishing, which is weird. Yeah, there's a couple of those intro bits, but it was like, it was one of those, it was weird because they didn't really commit to that gimmick. Yeah, so I it's, think like after the first half of the film, it just vanished. Yeah, and even even in the first half of the film, you don't really get it that much. You get like with like Vol of Voodoo, um, let's see. No, know me. Yeah. And, yeah, there, we, yeah, uh, there the he is, like 30 seconds in. That's someone's fucking dad. Has to be. <laughs> and you know what? He's got like, the dad stash. Yeah. Um, Dad Stash, dude, if you're out there listening to us, like, totally get in touch with it. We, we will interview you on this show. <laughs> we, okay. we, we want to know what you thought of Wall of Voodoo and the other bands that you saw, and if, whether or not you actually saw the film and know that you're a, a weird kind of movie star in your own right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm throwing that out there. If, 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 if you are that dude, or if you know that dude, let us know. <laughs> How about that thing you do? Oh, yes. <laughs> How about that? Uh, so my pick for the movie show is That Thing You Do, which is a 1996 musical comedy, which was written and directed by Tom Hanks, who also uh, acts in the movie. And also and wrote a lot of the music, too. He did write a lot of the music, yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. He's, you know, everybody loves Tom Hanks. Yeah. Um, and it's set in 1964, and it's about a local rock band that uh, very quickly rises uh, on the, the strength of the single, That Thing You Do, and then um, very quickly falls apart and becomes a one-hit wonder, uh, which is ironic because the name of the band is The Wonders. Um, or The Oneiders. <laughs> hey, that's Oneiders. Um, Oneiders. <laughs> yeah, Oneiders, Yeah. Uh, my little cousin and I love this movie and we quote it to each other constantly, uh, on Twitter and in person. Um, and it centers mostly around, uh, Guy Patterson, who is a drummer and jazz fan who works in his father's appliance store. And he just happens to get a one-off chance to sit in, um, with the, the local band, um, the wonders and, uh, at a talent show and ends up taking their, uh, Jimmy, who's the the guitarist and sort of the the front man uh, of the band, uh, wrote that thing you do as sort of a slower love song. And when Guy plays it uh, in the talent show, he speeds it up and uh, turns it into a uh, up-tempo rocking hit single. Um, And so they end up getting a few paying gigs, and then uh, they attract the attention of a local manager, and then they attract the attention of Tom Hanks, who is... uh, there, I forget what his position is. He's like a an executive at uh, Playtone Records. Yeah, and our guy, yeah. Right, and um, they go on tour and uh, experience all of the the stardom uh, that goes along with that, and then the band uh, suddenly falls apart um, very quickly, and so they they're left with their their one hit wonder song, that thing you do. Um, so why don't we play uh, the title track from the album for you guys now? It's a great, it's a, it's a great song. It's so good. The, the, um, you know, I feel like the music has got to be good, you know, in a, in a film like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is so good. Like the album, the soundtrack is such a great soundtrack and like all of the songs are good. Um, and they, the song, you know, cause it's about a, an, uh, not artificial, a, uh, a fictional band. Um, 
but the song actually did well on like the and the IRL, you know, in real life uh, music charts. Um, so I just love this movie. I've been watching it since I was little. Um, it's funny. Uh, the music is great. It's you know, it's every little kid's dream, you know, to grow up and be in a, uh, in a rock band, and um, I just think it's fantastic. And I like how the uh, you sort of see their progression. Um, they start with you know, kind of. You know the kind of instruments that you grow up with when you're first starting out, and then as they get uh, increased popularity and they start to go on tour, they they get new guitars and stuff, um, and it's just great. The, there's a lot of cameos in it. Jonathan Dem, is that how you say his last name? Uh, Demi. D- Demi. Demi. Yeah. Jonathan Demi is uh, he actually produced it and has a cameo as the what is it? He's the director of the weekend at Party Pier mm-hmm. uh, scene, which is very cool, and he's uh, was also obviously the director of uh, Stop Making Sense. Um, so a lot of great stuff. Rita Wilson, who's Tom Hanks' wife, plays uh, Marguerite, who's the waitress at the Blue Spot Jazz Club. Um, you know, it's just really well done, and it's a great, uh, clean, wholesome movie with great music and um, a lot of good laugh lines and, and everything. So let me know what you guys thought. Yeah, I really like this one a lot, too. It was, um, it's funny because it's... Uh, it was uh, my friend uh, who I worked with, uh, John Clay's favorite film, and it was one where like he, it's one where he can watch it over and over and over again. And it's one of those like kind of like Forrest Gump is in that way for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was funny because like he ended up like he he misplaced his copy and like I think it was maybe in a move and couldn't find it, and so he bought it, and then he found found the original the first copy, and so he actually mailed it to me, and so that's how I I got to see the film. Nice. And I really, really liked it. Um, just like you say, just a really well written, like great movie, and with a great central song. And I guess about this song too. I guess we should mention that it's um, it was written by uh, one of the Fountains of Wayne guys, and the vocalist on it is Mike Viola, who is a really amazing artist in his own right. Hmm. Hmm. Like I, I really recommend you know checking him out. But, but yeah, it's just great film very very well done and there's a lot of like like you know kind of like quiet jokes in there too like i i like that and i i guess you probably won't like this one andrew about how the uh the bass player is never named (laughs) yeah he only he doesn't uh he doesn't have a name he only goes by tb player in the credits which is the bass player (laughs) (laughs) which i guess is sort of just an in joke you know with bass being a uh you know, bass players stand in the back. They're not, you know, up front with the guitar players and everything. Rich? Yeah. Yeah. I was interesting watching this and picking up on a lot of the, the sort of the, the, uh, the, the references to real things that happen to real bands. Um, right. And just going, and, and a lot of the, the visual shout outs to, um, one of the things that sticks out in my mind is, uh, they're doing, uh, a show on a circular, st- well, no, it's a square stage, like a like a square stage with with everyone surrounding them. So on the stage, on the on the stage, just the label of the single. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just going, holy shit! That's just, that is totally a reference to the, uh, the the Beatles' first U.S. show, the Washington D.C. the ah, the Washington D.C. Uh, show where they had the rotating drum kit. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. which was, I, I watched that whole show when uh, Apple put it up when they got the Beatles records on iTunes. And uh, there's um, a lot of, you know, I'm, I watched this last night and I'm kind of drawing some visual blanks here, but I know there's a lot of just, you know, this is, you know, when you're watching it and you just go, I've seen this before, I've heard this before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like the, um, what's the name of the show that's the, the, the obvious, like, Ed Sullivan thing, the, uh, what is it, like, Hollywood? Uh, Hollywood Television Showcase, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something yeah. like that, yeah. And they have like the uh, "Sorry, girls, he's engaged" thing. Yeah, Wait. yeah, yeah. Yeah, careful, girls, he's engaged. When yeah, the uh, Beatles were on Ned Sullivan. They did the uh, "Sorry, girls, he's married" uh, for mm-hmm. uh, was John. John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Beatles influence, you know, throughout the whole thing. I mean, they're like, why don't you guys have long hair like the Beatles? Don't you guys like the Beatles? <laughs> you know? And um, but it wasn't just exclusively yeah, Beatles too. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. It- yeah, it was like just really great film, and I, I just really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got—I uh, think it's got like a ninety-two or something on Rotten Tomatoes. 
Um, and I feel like it's not one of Tom Hanks's better known films. Like I feel like Forrest Gump is on TV, you know, constantly, and whenever it's on, you know, you have to watch it. But I feel like that thing you do is um, kind of more one of his sleeper sleeper hits. Yeah, I yeah. have I have one small problem with the film, and I do say, and when I say mm. small, I mean small. It's it's the actual the, it, the recording of the the way the song that thing you do is recorded. It sounds. Doesn't sound like a like a like a sixties recording. It sounds like a nineties recording. Oh yeah, that is a good point. It, yeah, it certainly to... doesn't sound like it was recorded in a church. No, <laughs> no. I mean, I, it would have. Ki- yeah, would have killed them to just to to uh, at least you know dirty up the recording a little bit, make it sound like something that was recorded in a studio on. Two, let's see, in sixty four, would they even be bothering with two track? Uh no. It probably would have been mono. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it looks like that's how they're recording it. It's just like a wash onto tape, which is how you did it in those days. But it sounds so crystal clean and beautiful and modern and yeah. that it did throw me just a little bit. Just like you, you couldn't – this is a, this, this movie costs how much to make? Uh, $26 million to make. You couldn't afford another 100000 to rent a mono, rec- mono tape recorder for the band? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think that would have um... – made the the soundtrack less accessible to a modern audience it might have i I think maybe maybe if they had done two mixes of it one one for a film mix and then one for a single which would be like the single mix would be like the 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 normal mix that we know and love and then the the film mix would probably be more like what rick is talking about probably Mm -hmm. yeah yeah because everything else was just was done much so so authentic actually i think i also noticed one anachronism with the trip to disneyland but that's 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 me being really nitpicky <laughs> oh yeah and disneyland was what 60 oh no no it was open then but there's uh oh. the guy in the mickey mouse outfit it wouldn't have looked like that in the 60s i think oh oh it's huh. the modern mickey yeah <laughs> hi i'm a nerd <laughs> i'll say no that didn't bother me i just like oh hey i noticed that yeah did you guys um I didn't even know that there was an extended edition of this movie until we were discussing it uh after our last episode. You guys watched the extended editions? I still have not yet. Um yeah, I, know, I haven't either. I know John uh Clay always says watch the theatrical version first and then watch the extended. Yeah. Because according to Wikipedia, the extended edition has a lot more character development, uh, a lot more deleted you know, deleted scenes that focus on um you know, the, uh, it says here, a tastefully steamy look at Guy's makeout session with Tina, played mm-hmm. by Charlize Theron, uh, at his apartment. Uh, and then it goes more in depth into Guy's relationship with Faye and his deteriorating relationship with Tina, her relationship with her dentist, mm-hmm. which is too bad. Um, and it reveals that Tom Hanks's character, spoiler, I guess, Tom Hanks's character, Mr. White, is not only gay, but in a relationship with a man played by former NFL athlete Howie Long. I guess hmm. it's another like Brian Epstein reference too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know about the football player part, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I I haven't seen the extended, but I know actually John Clay just watched it. He told me because I was telling him about this episode because I knew that he'd be interested because he loves you know this movie and it's like yeah actually like the night before I I actually just threw in the extended version so hmm. yeah it adds an additional thirty nine minutes of deleted scenes. It's pretty huge. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I Great have movie. I love it. Yeah, I'm glad I watched the theatrical cut because I don't think I have the time for another two hour plus film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it was a really good good picks <laughs> this time. You know. Yeah, they were good. I didn't. Uh, I was struggling with um, what I was going to pick for a musical movie that was theatrically released but was not a concert. DVD, and then you guys reminded me that I had uh, mentioned that thing you do in the past, so I was relieved because um, I love this movie. Yeah, yeah. I was. I actually was like just shy of picking um, American Astronaut, which is another like huge favorite of mine, which is by the uh, Billy Nair Show, and it's 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 a narrative film again, um, and it's a musical, but it's amazing film, and definitely check it out. Um, and it's also pretty short, so like I guess Rich would have liked that one better in in terms of length. <laughs> no, 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 no. I thought everything was fine lengthwise. Um, oh, I know. I'm just razzing you. I just yeah. I don't know. If, 
if I could watch a, a two hour twenty minute extended cut uh, and in the time I've got I had this week, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I literally watched that thing you do last night. Um, so well, I watched Hedwig today. Yeah, I, I, um, well, I, I had seen just seen um, that thing you do and Hedwig, so I only had to watch Erg this week, so I, I watched it on Thursday. Mm. So I was all like, "Hot damn! I, I get to cheat on on the picks because I've already seen them." <laughs> <laughs> Cheater! I know, I know. <laughs> well, so next week it's uh, stop making sense, and I definitely want to come back to uh, doing like movie music movies in in a few months, maybe. Uh, yeah, because I I totally want to talk about the Blues Brothers. I do love the hell out of that movie. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and probably you know American Astronaut for me, mm-hmm. unless I get sidetracked with like Spinal Tap or something again. Yes, yeah, but Sp- Spinal Tap's one of those movies that we can probably do a whole show like Stop Making Sense on. Yeah, that that's actually probably true. Like that might be like whatever future movie episode we do, we'll do another two part where it's like uh, Spinal Tap and then Other. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this goes to 11. <laughs> but can you just make it, like, just that much louder? <laughs> These go to 11. And, <laughs> though, actually, I think my favorite bit in that is, uh, you know, the, he's playing the sad song, and it was it the D minor, the saddest of all chords? Oh, oh yes, uh, Lick My Love Pump. <laughs> yes. What do you call it? <laughs> lick, lick My Love Pump. <laughs> okay. I always like the... The, uh, what is it, the Spinal Tap Experience with Puppet Show? <laughs> no, Puppet Show with the Spinal Tap Experience. Oh, that's right, the Puppet Show I told them, yeah, Spinal Tap gets <laughs> Jazz Odyssey. Speak. Jazz okay. Odyssey, yes, that was it, yes. And, sorry, Andrew. <laughs> no, that's okay, I was just going to say, speaking of Spinal Tap, I could, um, I just thought of one, thankfully, that I could do for our next movie show, uh, Electric Apricot, which is Les Claypool's mockumentary of the jam band scene made in the in the same vein as uh, Spinal Tap, um, which I think you guys would find. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, I've, I've not, but I've been curious. Didn't like Claypool actually direct it? He did. Yeah, he stars in it as one of the, the band members uh, of Electric Apricot, and he also wrote and directed and, you know, all that sort of thing. Um but I think you guys would really enjoy that film. I think it would be up your alley. It's very, very dry. Like, possibly, and um, I haven't seen Spinal Tap, but it's very, um, compared to Spinal Tap, I've heard that, I think Les himself even says that it's much more, it's much drier and much less overt uh, than Spinal Tap's humor. So, in the, in the same vein, I still need to probably see A Mighty Wind, which is sort of the folk version of, Spi- of This is Spinal Tap. I think That's, I have seen that on Comedy Central, yeah. It's and it's even, it's even the same guys, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's um, Well, Rob Reiner doesn't direct it like he did uh, uh, Spinal Tap, but it is Christopher Guest. and <clears throat> Christopher Guest uh, is the director, and then it's got uh, um, the other guys, too. Uh, Harry, Harry Shearer. Harry Shearer. Uh, Mike, Mike McKeon. Michael McKeon, yeah. yeah. For whatever reason, I sometimes space on Michael McKeon's name, which is like kind of annoying because he's awesome. I'm just thinking, uh, what's his name from this? From whose line is it anyway? Michael McShane, and I know that's not the right guy. See, which guy is he again? The fat Michael guy. McShane. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you talking on the U.S. one or the U.K. version? U.K. version. Okay, because that's the one that I normally watch, but I don't really remember the fat guy. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he was... Sorry. Really- Sorry, Michael McShane, especially for like forgetting who you are and then just referring you to you as the fat guy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I worked for David Thomas earlier. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> who who has lost a shitload of weight recently. When I saw him play with Rocket, with the to- Rocket from the Tombs uh, last year, he looked like this grizzled prospector from the 1890s. And it works for him. It works for him, but... Yeah. But then well, again, again if you of... want to listen to... Actually, want to hear him sing, which I do. Yeah. And I, well, I think it was kind of interesting, too, just because, like, you know, before I had seen um, Per Ubu in Erg... I had just pictured um, him as this little strawny, wiry dude. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I never, I've never, I had never seen him before. And so I was like, kind of, you know, shocked to see, you know, that at the time he was such a big guy. Yeah, his stage name was Crocus Behemoth back in the Rocket from the Tomb days. <laughs> so, all right. 
enough Perubu talk. I think if I mention another time, anything, any more of the of the band, uh, Andrew's going to scream. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not find out. <laughs> okay. So, see you guys in about a week uh, for uh, stop making sense. Yay! Uh, at last. At last. Yeah. Great talking to you guys. This was fun, as always. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I, I enjoyed it. Oh, I guess we should talk where we can find each other, too. Oh, that would be on nice. On the interwebs? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm oh. on keysneezes.com, which is right now down, but hopefully will be up by the time you hear this. And also keysneezes.tumblr, which I don't even know the last thing I posted, so I can't even really say, you know, oh, if you want to see a horse in a bucket or whatever. I don't I don't even remember what I've got this time, so. Let me check Sorry, for I you. I like you. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Klaus Nomi introducing the plastics. Okay, well, there you go. If you want to see Klaus Nomi introducing the plastics, check it out. Plastics are an amazing Japanese yeah. electronic band from the early 80s. Okay. And I'm Rich. You can find me at sandspoint.com on the Twitter at sandspoint. Uh, I've got a Tumblr at wantabreathmint.com, which I need to post more on. And, yeah. Andrew? <laughs> and I'm Andrew at andrewmarvin.net and at andrewmarvin on Twitter. And right. Check us out on crushonradio.com, on uh, Twitter at, at crushonradio, on Facebook at Facebook slash crushonradio, on iTunes where you search for Crush on Radio, and basically on, the, on, um, on a Viz Queen album where you just look for Crush on Radio. That's actually just the song. Find Crush on Radio wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Yes. <laughs> Go into your local podcastery and just shout for Crush on Radio. <laughs> if they don't know what you're talking about, make a scene. Bring gasoline. <laughs>